Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, brought to you by Canon Plus. This week's episode is a conversation between Doug Wilson and Rachel Jankovic about Rachel's upcoming webinar, Detox for the Modern Mom. You can sign up for the webinar by clicking the link in the show notes. But for now, here's Doug and Rachel. Hello, I'm Douglas Wilson. Uh, this is my daughter, Rachel Jankovic. She is the mother of more than a third of my grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> Barely more than a third, which is well, seven, five, five. It's all right. Um, and uh, Rachel has a, a webinar coming up, that the theme of which is detoxing the modern mom. And I wanted to start with that. I wanted to talk about what the heck that means. Um, <laughs> so first, what is the modern mom? And then what has to be detoxified? I think I'm calling it the modern mom because I'm officially old enough to be one of the older moms. I'm in a different <laughs> generation of mothering now, which means uh, I would say just young moms now or mothers who are just getting started now such that they didn't already establish their method choices and what they're doing, that this current world is shaping what's cool in motherhood, right. what they want to attain to what they're aiming for. I mean, my oldest is 17. I really went through the that phase of mothering before social media was even a thing. Right. And that's and it's more than a little thing in the lives of it was most. Not, when, when Lena was born, you couldn't have an Instagram baby. No, that was not one of the things that could have happened. So I was well into parenting before that was even a thing, which means you don't reconsider everything. You've learned a lot already. You're already, this is how we do it. This is what I care about. So I would say I'm defining the modern mom as moms in this era of modernity who are moms, shaping their motherhood now. Moms yeah. of young children. Yes. Right. Expectant yeah. moms, toddlers, just just getting started. That's the modern mom. Mm -hmm. And Or I would say 10 and, I mean, I'm not just, it's not just about babyhood, but just younger kids mothering in okay. this time. So, uh, these modern moms are not just moms who are starting out their career in motherhood in 2022. They're yeah. also they're also currents or ideological currents that right. are pushing on them. I assume that you have some of those in mind. Yes, and the reason I said detox is partly it's a popular word, but it's almost always used the other direction. <laughs> um, detoxing from your toxic friends and your toxic whatever. <laughs> what I hope that this does for mothers is make them evaluate the choices that they're making or the things that they're admiring in light of God's word and say, is this actually timelessly beautiful or true? Or is this an Instagram filter that is making me believe that this is how I should behave with my children or how I should think of myself as a mother? So you're, you're talking about Making, learning how to make intentional choices grounded in yes, scripture. Exactly. And, and also to make intentional choices when you didn't even know you were making choices at all. Yes. And I think, you know, when we were all teenagers and you and we would watch music videos with mm -hmm. you and you'd say over and over, what are they saying and is this true? And I think that I see that all the time in mothering posts and accounts and people talking about mothering where I think, I think the person who's promoting this has not considered what ideology, like if they could see it stated raw, they would not buy into it. But they're not seeing it. They're seeing it through the filter of their favorite influencer and through, you know, like they're seeing it trickling down and they're not asking those fundamental questions and pairing it back to what is honoring God. All right, let's take a, let's take a concrete example so that we're, we're sure. up in the stratosphere. Um, 
our young moms being shaped and molded and pushed in the direction of androgenizing their toddlers. Thousand percent. And I think that Christian moms buy into this infants and babies can be kind of genderless because it can be done beautifully by someone who makes it look like it's a um, 1800s homemaker that has a, you know, all that. But but the world is very invested in babies being genderless. And the Christians are easily going along with that kind of like, who can say we're not doing distinctive haircuts on our boys and girls or colors or even shapes of clothing. That kind of thing is just like we can get caught up in stuff without evaluating it. Right. This is not the first time this kind of weird pathology has happened. Right. Like in the era of my great-grandfather, let's say, mm-hmm. in the you know Victorian, uh, Edwardian period, there were some photographs of little boys in frilly dresses. Mm-hmm. And the boy looked like a thug. You know, I think we but, have one of those in our family annals somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We're like, wow, wow, lacy dress, dirty face, butchy haircut. I mean, like, very funny cigar. <laughs> yes. Um, so there, there's always been that sentimental streak that some moms have had, where right, I'll pret- I'm going to pretend that this baby boy is a baby baby as long as I can. Yeah. Right. There, there's there's always been that, but now it seems that the androgynous. Um, Sex is biological, but gender is a social construct, right. and that's being there's a full court press yeah. on on that issue, and and many Christian moms go along with it, where their boys and their girls are all in beiges and pastels, and everything mm-hmm. is kind of blurry. Is this a boy well, or girl? Well, it's We're Instagram sure. cool. That's right. just the thing is it's been made to look beautiful in one place. It looks like oh that that would be. Earthy and, so, and, fun. and so a fine, a, a fine Christian mom could find herself doing something like that for months without ever having made a conscious choice. Yeah, and, exactly. And is that the kind of thing that you want to detoxify? Yes, that would be a good example. Or I would say, I one of the things I was talking about when we did the video promoting this webinar in the first place was that Christian moms are asked to, well, all moms are asked questions all the time. Okay. You don't have answers as soon as you're having a baby. How are you going to have the baby? How are you going to feed the baby? How are you going to get the baby to sleep? How are you going to carry the baby? I mean, like, there's a million questions that come. And then that's before the baby even starts asking you questions. <laughs> and then <laughs> That's not the, counting the baby. That's not even counting the baby asking <laughs> questions. And they do that really soon. They start asking you questions. Do I really have to eat what you say I'm going to eat? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just immediately. Uh, and I think Christian moms really need to be good with answers. And if you don't know the answer, knowing how you're going to find the answer, knowing how you're going to go back and say, I think there actually is a underlying principle or truth that reflects my faith in so, this question. So that leads to the next thing. Um, so these things that we want to de- you want to detoxify mm-hmm. for, the, for the modern mom right. would be modern myths or pressures. Yes. Uh, J.B. Phillips says in Romans 12, don't let the world press you into its mold. Yeah. The world has a mold that it wants modern mothers to fit into, mm-hmm. and they're being very pushy with that. So if you want to answer those myths, those pressures, uh, Christian moms should want to ground that on Scripture. Right. So, okay, okay. so how, how would you direct moms who want to become Scripture-saturated women who, who know how to find the answers to this kind right. of thing in Scripture? Okay, so I would say... First, you need to be a reader of your Bible, which 
can I pass this by without saying, <laughs> join us in the Bible reading challenge so that you too might be a reader of the Bible. Uh, I really do care about that, that women just be reading their Bibles. But this, uh, that's the beginning. Knowing what's actually in your Bible is important. Knowing but, your way around it. Right. But the other question is, is just learning to actually uh, expect a biblical answer. Women can be very emotional on the topic of their own children extra, right? Like this is a very sensitive subject for a lot of women. And so you'll see things like just an example of this would be um, the very hot debates about whether or not you should sleep train a baby ever. Right. Right. Or like if your baby is not sleeping, should you ever let your baby cry it out in their crib? Well, this escalates almost instantaneously into this is abuse and like things that Christian moms would totally shy away from and be like, I would never want to be abusive. And then if dad wants her to let the baby cry out. Then he's then abusive. It's, then it's another layer. Then it's a real hot problem. And, and it's because her friends are telling her that's abusive. You just want to say, well, let's pare it back and ask ourselves, is it, does God ever allow his children to suffer for their own good? Just to illustrate, this is... Uh, the answer is no, never. This, this, <laughs> this is... Uh, uh, don't try this at home, kids. It's just simply a joke from another generation. Back when my dad was a younger dad and someone would ask him, how did you get your babies to sleep? He, he would say, well, we just rocked them to sleep and then we ran out of rocks. <laughs> Which is exactly the kind of thing that causes everyone to fall into the pits of these Instagram tendernesses. Right. Um, that's, that's just that's awful. It's a joke. <laughs> uh, but I guess, but it illust- illustrates what what can we can even find funny, what isn't right. funny. That, so everything is ratcheted up into right. the, a battle between light and darkness, mm-hmm. right? And if you're untethered from scripture, right, then you're it's going to escalate more rapidly, right? And you can find yourself basically in a position that says all discipline is hateful, which is directly counter what scripture says. Right. right, And that's one of the things that I think most Christians would know that if they were asking themselves that, or it's a very straightforward question to ask of, is, is this what scripture says? Right. Does and God never allow his, his much loved people to have to go through something difficult for their own good? Right. And yes, he does. <laughs> and, and if you see a young child uh, pitching a fit or greatly in need of discipline, oftentimes trying to provoke discipline because yeah, they're, they're just, they need love. They're just miserable and they, and they know yeah. the man who doesn't discipline his son, uh, Proverbs says, hates, his, hates yeah. his son. It's a form of hatred. And if you see a kid that's miserable like that, crying out for discipline, feel sorry for them now because in about 10 years, you're not going to mm-hmm. feel sorry for them at all. Yeah. Right? And I think that there's, there's, there's a ton of stuff about like the nature of God and how God loves his people. But I think what women are doing is they buy into whatever parenting, whatever things looked beautiful to them. And they, and it has more to do with trying to shape what kind of person, this is where social media plays a big part because it has more to do with them trying to curate what kind of a person they want to look like than it does trying to actually give something truly loving, truly true, truly generous to your children. It's more about how will I look while I'm doing this. And then we reflect that onto what we think God, like instead of starting with reading scripture and saying, what is God like? And then how can I imitate him? We're trying to curate ourselves and then reflect that 
onto God, which is how you end up with women who, when they join the Bible Reading Challenge, when they read about who God is, they're often very offended at God. They're, because they already have, they have already made a structure of what's true, what's good, what's right, that's based on what I want to look like, and God does not measure up to that. Would you think it's a fair statement to say that in the in a fallen world, hypocrisy is always a temptation, always a problem, mm-hmm. but social media has given hypocrisy or the hypocritical impulse a much bigger toolbox, mm-hmm. absolutely, uh, many more things to work with, many more, mm-hmm. many more ways to get an angle on yourself or a different filter on yourself, mm-hmm. and uh, a way to like get up in the morning to try to get your kids ready for Instagram, right? Rather than and really not seeing the long term effect. What are you actually doing to your kids? What are you like? Are you selling your children? Are you selling the way that they look? Are you making them believe that all they are doing all the time is trying to look cute for yeah. pictures? And this this is a generational transition. When uh, a few decades ago, when reality television yeah. first first hit, people would watch it. It was a reality television was a hit, but it was a hit because people can't look away from a car crash. It's like yeah. uh, this is. It's a there's fascinating horror in, and nobody wanted to be them. It's, it's like everybody wanted to watch them, but nobody wanted to be them. Now we do. Apparently. But now everybody wants to be this. As witnessed by the enormous quantity of here's a selfie of me crying, which is what moms post all the time. What? Yeah, you didn't know. You don't <laughs> hang out in the right circles to know about this. Uh, selfies of are themselves you? crying. What? 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 Yeah. Makeup all over the place. Here I am. It's like, I'm so broken. This is so hard. It's, it is the weirdest. It is a very weird compulsion because it's not. I know some people fall into the I have it all together right. thing. But then it's the other ditch of I have it all together because I'm so willing to share all of my vulnerability in this. Selfies of women crying with babies in their life is an actual big thing. Huh. It's like I actually like watching myself be the victim of my own life. And I curate myself as someone who's having an emotional drama all the time. Zowie. Yeah. Okay. So, you weren't ready for that, uh, were you? <laughs> yeah. Every, every time, well, when you've, uh, this is a difficult time to be a satirist, for example. It is. If you write something as a satiric bent and you think up the most bizarre thing you can think of, and you put it in print, and then you discover that people are doing it for real, already a couple of weeks a, a couple of weeks ahead of you. Um, so, if you encourage women to get back in the word and actually read the word and start looking for opportunities to for application, what did, what did I read today that I could plug into my life somewhere? Mm-hmm. Um, you're, so you're coming to the scriptures looking for an answer. It seems that that leads naturally into the question of obedience. Yeah, well, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so ob- obedience is a uh, liberating thing, mm-hmm. not a set of fetters or chains. Right. So could you talk a little bit about that? Why, why would modern moms who are afflicted by these modern mythologies tend to look at obedience to Scripture as a constraining, confining, suffocating thing instead of what it is, a liberating thing? Man, partly I think it's just they have no experience of it. Okay. They have not personally, they don't have a personal testimony to the freedom that obedience is. Because there are a lot of mothers today who were not, I mean, I hear a lot from women who did not grow up in a Christian home, have not ever seen Christian families at work. So they may have never personally 
witnessed those moments of self-sacrificial obedience, like where you need to just be like, well, I want to do this, but I can't, right. so I won't. And because they haven't actually done that, they haven't experienced the reality of the joy that comes from obedience. If you're buying into a lot of these lies, you're not going to, you're not going to be experiencing it. You know, you're not disciplining your toddlers. They're not fun. An undisciplined toddler is very difficult to be around. Uh, and so they Except don't when even know. Except when they're sleeping. <laughs> yeah. When they're asleep, they're okay. I'm saying that <laughs> people leave. I mean, just the fact that people will refer, you know, the terrible twos or whatever, block out whole periods of a child's life as they're hard to get along with. Two-year-olds are really fun. Like, that's a really fun phase. And the obedience, the structure of requiring obedience of them makes the relationship between a mother and a toddler very sweet and very fun and enjoyable. And I think that the, uh, so I would say partly people just don't, they don't personally believe that obedience leads to freedom. Okay, so I think there's an analogy here, and I think there's probably a deep connection in the metaphor. Um, children, parents, moms with undisciplined and unruly children have children, but they can't enjoy them because they're constantly frazzled and frustrated mm -hmm. and no, not that, and making excuses mm -hmm. for them. Uh, but oftentimes that's happening because the mom also has a passel of undisciplined emotions. Oh, yeah. Who are just like, their, just like the kids. Mm -hmm. So you have all these emotions that you're not able to enjoy either, except when you've cried it all out and they're asleep. So you can, you, right. can, you can say, my emotions are okay now because they're asleep. But when they're active and running, you know, climbing the curtains, it's they not... They ruin no, everything. They ruin everything. Yeah. And then, but the temptation is to say to someone, that, that person wants to say to the person who's self-controlled, well, it's all very well for you because you're unemotional. You don't feel these things you don't, like I feel them. Well, but, the, but that's like saying to a mom with five kids... Who, and the kids obey her. That's like saying, "I don't. You don't know what it's like because you don't have kids." Or well, you there's have a kids, lot of that. They just mind. There's a lot of that where women will say, "Well, I'm not an extrovert, so it's hard for me to have little kids around all the time." Okay. You think I think it's hard for anyone to have a big pack. Right. Of, like I don't think introvert, extrovert, or any of that <laughs> makes any difference at all on whether or not it's hard to have a house full of little kids. It is hard, but there are ways that trying to really actively trying to be obedient and glorify God in it, make it a beautiful, enjoyable thing where you do actually see fruit. Like you do see progress, you see fruit, you, there's a lot to enjoy while you're there. But I think what you were saying about the emotions is that many people don't think emotions, um, I think there's a lot of different pitfalls through the years, through different kinds of parenting camps about the nature of the will and mm -hmm. emotions. So a real disciplinarian ditch would be that the goal of uh, discipline is to break the will. Right. That we want to break their will so that they don't do this. And then on the other side would be we honor the will like it's a god. We do whatever Flat, flatter, whatever you flatter want. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then and I think I believe that the real Christian model should be to, that we want our children to master their own will. That our yes. that what we're trying to do is not that I'm the master of this toddler's will, but that he is, and right. that when I tell him to do something, he knows how to control himself and make himself obey. And that's very different. It's very different from me coming in as the very authoritarian 
essentially yeah. I'm going to beat you up if you don't obey me. It's not, it's not like your child is a wild horse that you're trying to break and ride. Yeah. It's that your child is a rider. Of their own horse. Of their own horse, <laughs> and you're trying to teach them to ride, to ride their own And to emotions. not get drug behind it right. their whole life. And, and in that way, this is why discipline is ultimately very loving. It's not, it's not a, um, I just have to have my way. And I think I, this would be my biggest concern with most, like if you go into a household that's very, very well disciplined, and I don't think that this is cool now, so I don't think that this is in the detox for modern moms. I don't think they're falling into this particular ditch, but it used to be like at the back when I, I mean, it used to be a thing for sure. And it probably is still in some Christian circles. If you go into a home where it seems like the kids are marching by whistle commands, or like I read a book on home management that, that talks about kids as though every kid is just, they're all identical. Like no difference between your 14 year old son and a three year old girl, you know, like they're all units of chore doing, right? Like they're all just, it's just, it's just, and it seems like the charts and the everything is, you know, like it's so orderly. Bipedal carbon based chore units. Exactly. And, and just things like, I mean, and it just seemed incredibly unwise to me from the direct, from the, point of we're not even trying to evaluate how this would affect each individual child to have this sort of structure in the home because it was all focused on organizing in the home, right? It has right. a different focus. There was a time when I think that that was more admired. And I think that that was just as dangerous in a different way. I think that's what gave us the ex-evangelical yeah. movement. I mean, I think that we, we have people who grew up in Christian homes like that who have not Loved it. So people um, who come from that sort of strict or mm -hmm. hyper-legalistic um, were Christians, right. we believe the Bible, you must sit in the corner all the time. If they were to come to your home, they would think they would, they would, uh, they've entered a, a, an, anti <laughs> an antinomian palace. <laughs> I like, I like to think it's not quite that bad that I would call <laughs> no, it an antinomian, uh, antinomian <laughs> palace, but it's very different from yeah. the perspective of would so, there have been a toddler standing on the coffee table? Probably. Right. Like, did that happen? Absolutely. Did anyone care? No, we did not. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was a lot of, I don't, I never want to be encouraging people to discipline in that kind of a way. Because that's, that's a different way of being pressed into the mold right. of something that's not godly, right? It's just being pressed into the mold of organization or... So when, uh, so basically, if you've got a house full of happy kids doing their stuff, there's going to be a certain amount of uh, happy chaos, right? <laughs> yes. But if a house is disorderly, where the kids are surly, disobedient, right. um, th there's, a, there's a tone shift, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got the buttoned up house where everybody's miserable, and you've got the chaotic house where everybody's miser miserable. Mm -hmm. it's, it seems that the thing you're driving for is cheerfulness or mm -hmm. in fellowshipness which means that the foundational discipline is discipline of emotions, a discipline of attitudes, mm -hmm. right? And then discipline of external behaviors is important. At some point, your toddler has mm -hmm. to be taught what coffee tables are and are not for. At uh, other people's houses. <laughs> Ours is four toddlers standing on it, you know? <laughs> not anymore. They're all too big. They're all just, yeah. So, um, but that's, that's down the road. You're, right. you're, um, you want cheerful compliance whenever you say, uh, time to be done, mm -hmm. right? 
obedience is exhilarating. Obedience is, and it's exhilarating not only for the child who's secure and loved, but it's exhilarating for parents who now enjoy their children. Totally. And the kids feel it's it's securing. It makes them so secure. It's way more fun for them. It's not a thing like... Um, I do feel like it's always hard to talk about discipline because of what we were just talking about, because of the bad reputation that discipline has. And then we have this huge pendulum swing into radical indulgence, like where you have a little kid mad at another kid on the playground and their mom running to them to say, oh, did your feelings get hurt? You know, like, right. no, making a generation of, of it's kind of, I don't even know what that will be like when it is full-blown. I just think, oh, no, not this. Don't let it come of age. <laughs> don't right. let it, like, get on it now, which is actually what the whole point of this webinar is anyways, is it should definitely not be happening in the church. We have God's word. We know these truths. We can do better than follow trends on Instagram. Okay, so let's talk a little. It turns out. So let's talk a little bit about the relationship of young moms to young dads. Yeah. So because oftentimes the um, the mom is not in control of the kids. Yes. And she's the one who's with them in a traditional setup. She's the one who's with them most of the time. Right. But she's not in control of them because she is in control of him. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of the right, time. Right. Or at least she's in control of the kit. She won't let him have any authority with it. This kids. is not my, your department. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So um, lead, me to, lead me to this. And he has some perspective, perhaps, that this is not... He might think, I actually don't want my toddler nursing in the park. Right. This is not what I meant to have happening. Right. And she's saying, you don't understand. This right. is the most nurturing thing I can do. <laughs> right. And so... This goes back to the question of obedience, submission to scripture, mm -hmm. um, where many young fathers don't feel like they've got the capital to, or the resources or the horsepower or whatever to say insist, mm -hmm. um, even if they should, right? So one of the things that young moms can do, one of the things they can detox on is inviting input from dad, mm -hmm. right? And, and actually taking it seriously, not... Uh, not just blowing it off, you're a man, you don't understand any of these things. Uh, all my girlfriends understand, and they're miserable with their children. Most too. of the time, my girlfriends that I've assembled by people who are attracted to the same things that I am attracted to. Right, birds so of a feather. It's no kind of actual accountability, or there's no actual pushback. or. Uh, and, I, and we live in a world that is really big right now on flattery. We like to flatter ourselves. So you'll see all the time, you can find just memes and things that are published to the world at large saying, don't yeah. be sad, mom. You're doing the best you possibly could be doing. You are amazing. You're you so are, brave. You are amazing. You're mm -hmm. wonderful. And I always think, how do they know that I'm not giving the kids cigarette burns? They right. don't know. Right. right? This right. is what they're saying to the alcoholic, abusive mother. You're wonderful. You're doing the best you could be doing. And they're saying it with no discretion at all because right. they, um, and I think that that is obviously a problem because that's what moms want to hear when they, uh, when they are struck with guilt because moms do guilt a lot because once the kids are in bed, once they're not provoking you anymore, you're looking back over the day like, oh no, I wasn't loving enough. I'm not, you know, like you feel this weight of guilt. And instead of husbands or friends or anyone 
leaning into that guilt to repent of things that you need to repent mm-hmm. of and to ask for grace about things that you need to ask for grace. We want to cover it all up with feel good about yourself, mom. Like you did the best you could do. And maybe you didn't, you know, like right. actually 98% of the time you didn't like there are times when you really laid it all out there. You were honoring God all day and you still feel like a failure at the end of the day. But most of the time, you were in sin in some way. And we, and, we want, and we want to act like flattery and compliments are a substitute for grace. Yes, like that is grace. Or just tie this in with the Bible reading. Lots of Bible reading plans have days where you don't read the Bible. It's called a grace day. Okay. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like that it's actually, if I abstain from God's word, I'm giving myself grace today. Right. And I'm giving myself grace to not have to try to be, not try to be a diligent Christian today. I'm going to take a grace day. But that's so backwards when the grace is the conviction. It is that, it is having our sin pointed out to us that we might confess it and not carry it. So maybe uh, finish uh, with uh, something I learned from my dad and your grandfather, um, there are many things, many young moms are going to uh, react to some of the things you're saying here as pretty hard words. Yes. But hard, hard words create tender people. Mm-hmm. Uh, soft words create hard people. If you just give people God's unvarnished word or you get them in the Bible readings challenge and they are just reading God's word, it's, it's like a jackhammer that breaks up our... Mm-hmm. Concre- it breaks up our concrete hearts. Yeah. But many of these uh, flattering friends are the feather duster of flattery. Yeah. You know, the, um, you're so brave, you're so wonderful, mm-hmm. you're awesome, uh, I can't believe you, you're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's, Those kids are so lucky to have you as mom and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just feather, dust- feather dusting hardness and misery and unhappiness. So basically, um, as uh, this webinar approaches... Uh, there, there will be, uh, if, if this is anything to go by, there will be hard words that are wholesome words. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, hard words that are wholesome words. And let me throw some free information in here for you young men who happen to be watching this and, and you're trying to figure out why you're watching something like this. <laughs> and, but at some point in the conversation, you said, oh, I wish my wife could see this or I wish... Uh, well, it was probably the part where you said to listen to your husband. <laughs> may, <laughs> like, may have had she to should do. listen to this. <laughs> well, um, invite your wife to sit down and watch it with you. Um, basically, there are, way, there are ways to, to, um, to approach this. The, and I would encourage you to get your wife um, the encouragement she, need, she actually needs. And uh, there will be details... Um, in just a second. Forthcoming. On forth <laughs> details. You, you can read about the details, how to get to the webinar. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to sign up for Rachel's webinar, Detox for the Modern Mom. Just click the link in the show notes to save your spot today.